Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Thursday, May 5th. This is episode number 116. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. How was your day? Uh, pretty, pretty epic bloodbath today in the markets as the S&P, the NASDAQ had their worst day in the last two years today. Um, and they took everything down with it. There was nothing that was spared. Um, even commodities that were up today, like uranium, like oil, uh, like gold, uh, the equities got sold off pretty hard. Um, uranium actually was up pre-market and up in the first few minutes of trading before the broad market started to slip. Presumably, they were up in response to the Cameco conference call for the first quarter of this year, which I'm going to talk about in the mailbag section. But as I mentioned, the bloodbath in the broad markets just pulled everything down with it. We had a pretty darn nasty day. I'm going to look over the charts, tell you what I'm seeing there. I'm seeing there's, there's some technical breakdown, but uh, most charts are still above support levels, which is uh, kind of curious to see. And we didn't see huge, huge volumes today. So that's also a positive thing. But for the most part, really, really nasty day out there. Hopefully you all made it through. Um, let's go ahead and just run through the daily scoreboard here and we'll look at the charts and then I'm going to discuss the Cameco conference call in the mailbag section. Spot price of uranium actually up and continues to climb up. It was up today, up to 54.75 a pound mid-market. Again, we're seeing some moves up in the spot market with no participation from the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust. So we're seeing some action there. That's noteworthy. Um, it's obviously not worthy of, uh, of doing cartwheels and celebrating, but um, it's interesting to see that the spot price is on the move and it is making consistent moves in the right direction without Sprott doing the purchasing. So that's very curious to see. Um, the uh, spot flows, they, they raised a million, one and a half million yesterday. So they were in the market for a split second yesterday as they traded up above that 1% premium to NAV. Um, obviously today selling off with the rest of the market and spot price up. That didn't happen today, but they did raise a little bit of money yesterday. They did not buy any more pounds of uranium and they closed at a 0.43% premium to NAV. So they started to claw back towards that premium to NAV. However, we're still not seeing the volumes come into spot that we need to see um, when they get back to that premium. So hopefully we will see that uh, after we do some technical damage repair here. Um, the ETFs, URA reported 400,000 shares in redemptions. That probably happened on Monday. Again, we had a nasty day in the markets on Monday and a good recovery on Tuesday um, and Wednesday, yesterday. But of course, today, uh, everything reversed. So URA did report mandated, uh, excuse me, uh, share redemptions, 400,000 shares for Monday, and that was six and a half million in mandated selling. Not huge, but something we haven't seen. Overall, we haven't seen a lot of redemptions coming from the ETFs um, this year that's been very, very choppy so far. So that's, uh, that's a good sign. And this, the, like I said, the uh, action in the sector was pretty nasty today. So let's check the charts. So URA down six and a half percent on the day. We actually had a little bit of dip buying come in at the very last 30 minutes of trading today as the broad markets actually saw a little bit of dip buying as well. Um, clearly, we're going to need to need to see some technical repair here. We're well below that rising 200-day moving average, which is still rising. The 50-day, in fact, is still rising. Um, RSI could, could head lower before we get into extremely oversold 
levels. Uh, MACD wanted to start to turn there, but it's heading back down. Short-term bearish on this chart. We are still above that trend line. And so that's the first thing that I want to see here. I want to see, um, I want to see this trend line hold. So if we trade up and back down uh, and see this hold, I would like to see that. Um, if not, then we want to see this level hold here. Um, we obviously want to see a higher low for this to remain a quote-unquote bull market for URA and for uranium itself. Looking at the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, again, uh, did see some dip buying at the very end of the day here. Volume still nothing to really speak about, and it closed down almost 5% on the day. Pretty nasty day for pretty much everything. Um, nothing was spared. Like I mentioned, Cameco also sold off pretty hard after it was up pretty strongly in the first minutes of trading and even in the pre-market. So the market liked the conference call apparently, but the broad market just really took it down. I think Cameco got hit a little bit of extra hard today because tomorrow is a uh, extraordinary rebalance by URA. Uh, Cameco has performed so well over the past couple of months that it's holding within URA got above that 25% level. So they're going to sell it down to 22%. Um, really, it's not really, it's kind of a non-event tomorrow for Cameco. In my opinion, that's probably going to be a dip buying opportunity if it does sell down, getting closer to that rising 200 day as Cameco clearly is leading the pack here. All right. So uh, the conference call this morning, if you, if you did uh, attend, then you probably heard what I heard. And there are obviously some things to be read in the tea leaves. Um, these conference calls, most of the time, investors are not really even paying attention to the earnings numbers coming from the company, but are more listening to the actual conference call and what uh, CEO Tim Gitzel and CFO um, Grant Isaac have to say in terms of what the company is seeing out in the markets, how they're progressing on their projects. Um, and of course, the Q&A section is always full of gems. So I wanted, I'm going to mention just a few bullet points from my notes here. From this morning's call and um, if you are a member of uranium insider pro you're going to receive a bulletin this evening that'll be much more nuanced in what we are hearing for coming from this conference call and of course what we're seeing in the markets generally speaking so uh the first thing that i wanted to mention from this conference call was language that ceo tim gitzel said pretty much right up front as he was speaking this morning is what they're seeing across commodities markets and especially um in the market that he's in which is uranium unprecedented geopolitical realignment. And this is something that uh, I've spoken about repeatedly over the past couple of months in terms of um, what we're seeing in the markets that has been spurred by this conflict in Ukraine, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the fallout in terms of commodities markets, especially due to this invasion. Uh, so unprecedented geopolitical uh, realignment. And that, in my opinion, is exactly what we're seeing here. And what also, in my opinion, is unlikely to be reversing anytime soon. We are in the process of realigning geopolitically, globally. Um, of course, much of the globe remains relatively neutral with this situation. But any of the, any of the NATO countries, um, any of the countries in the East that are you know, bordering or do business with Russia at all, there is a realignment going on here. And some of the countries like China, we're seeing are kind of stuck in the middle in a way. Uh, they, they obviously are going to probably continue buying from Russia, but uh, I'm sure that they're on an economic level concerned about secondary sanctions coming from them doing business with Russia and sanctions that could be imposed upon China due to that. So it's a really messy situation for anyone involved. And we continue to see 
talk about banning Russian uranium. And that's, that's something I want to, I'll mention that in a further bullet point, but I'll just go ahead and go down the list here. So uh, another thing that uh, Tim Gitzel mentioned was that demand for uranium is durable and strengthening and supply is uncertain. And so that's, that's kind of underpins the fundamentals here. And this is just kind of, I'll, I'll bring this all around to sort of a big picture that I think is really important to see, especially on days like this, where um, in the end, the fundamentals will win out and they always do. Uh, but it doesn't mean that other, other broad market influences can take us down. It doesn't mean that the equities trade in the way that you think that they should uh, day over day due to the fundamental developments that you're seeing, especially for uranium because of the way this market moves, the speed at which the, the supply can respond, the speed at which um, all of these spinning elements actually result in a movement of the price and therefore a movement in the equities prices. But um, the, the demand for uranium is stable and it is growing. And that's because the nuclear reactors are, are running essentially 24 seven with an exception of when there's outages for maintenance or um, outages to address issues. One example of that right now in France, there's a number of reactors that are currently offline for maintenance due to um, a state-owned entity, I'm forgetting the name, that is imposing upon them uh, to address certain issues of corrosion that they're finding at some of the plants. And so there's a number of plants offline. So that affects a little bit of demand in France, but these things are few and far between. For the most part, the demand is consistent. That's a number that we can uh, mostly hang our hats on in terms of measuring the actual demand for uranium on a year-over-year -year basis. And then, of course, you have shocks in the other direction, like uh, the potential for California to keep Diablo Canyon online. That is a wild card. That's not something that, that anybody who has ever done a supply and demand uh, analysis for this sector going out into the future expected Diablo Canyon to remain online. So things like that are a big deal in terms of demand that was unexpected. But for the most part, the baseline demand is relatively stable. Now, what about the supply? Supply is unstable. Supply is highly, highly reliant on one player. That's Kazakhstan and all of the JVs with Kazakhstan. That's Arano, that's Cameco, that's Uranium One, that's uh, multiple Chinese companies. So Kazakhstan is the big player and that's very, very fragile for the market, any market that is uh, especially as vitally important as nuclear energy to be reliant on such a small number of producers of the actual source of that energy. So demand is unstable, demand is fragile, and these types of events like we're seeing in Russia can have the results that we're already starting to see, which is big moves in the later part of the fuel cycle. And the, the guys from Cameco talked about this as well, um, how, how you'll see demand uh, go towards enrichment first because it's at the end of the fuel cycle, and they'll work their way down, go towards conversion in UF6. And then eventually that'll go actual demand coming from the utilities and coming from state-owned entities seeking out uh, the first part of that fuel cycle, which is uranium. That's not to mention that demand for conversion that we are seeing jump is going to have, have knock-on effects for U308. Well, how is that? There's, there's a, even though conversion is the main bottleneck in the fuel cycle, there's still some capacity there for um, conversion to actually increase. And um, if the increased output of UF6 due to increased demand on conversion uh, is there, which it is, that's going to require more U308 on the front end. And so we are seeing that. Um, another point that he made uh, that I thought was really important was having to do with secondary supply. So the primary source of secondary supply is underfeeding. I've spoken a bit about this in the past, but I'll run through this very, very briefly. Not going to get into the nitty gritty, but essentially when enrichers have excess capacity 
due to decreased demand, they can utilize that excess capacity to uh, spin down the feed material, which is the UF6, to a lower tails assay or a lower percentage of the fissile isotope U235 in the waste material of that process. And that, so that's using more capacity than they had signed on for in a contract with the utility that provided that feedstock. So what they can do is put less feedstock, they can underfeed the centrifuge, and then they have a little bit of extra on hand and they can either utilize that to spin that up in EUP and sell that in rich uranium, or they can actually sell the UF6 into the spot market. And so that underfeeding has been happening forever. I mean, ever since we've been using gas centrifuge technology and uh, for enrichment, and half of the roughly half of the underfeeding secondary supply comes from Russia and has come from Russia. So what does that mean? Western utilities that are now essentially not buying any, not signing new contracts, not buying any new uranium from Russia. There are still contracts that potentially are going to be delivered to Western utilities. Even that's a gray area. But that Western, uh, excuse me, that Russian secondary supply coming from underfeeding, gone. That's not going to the West any longer. So it's not that it's not happening. It's probably going to continue to happen. In fact, there may even be more underfeeding coming from Russia due to the decreased demand. So if Russia is only selling uh, to, let's say, China and India for the time being, then they're going to have decreased demand on their enrichment, and they're going to likely have potentially even more underfeeding. But that's not going to the West. And the West is where the bulk of the, of the demand is for uranium, the bulk of the nuclear energy production. So what is another effect of that? Another effect of that is that the Western enrichers that are now seeing more business and more demand coming from this conflict in this situation, they are no longer underfeeding their centrifuges. They are going to be overfeeding their centrifuges. More UF6, higher tails assays, higher prices, more feedstock, knock on, more U308. What does that also mean? The secondary supply that was coming from Western enrichers is not going to be there. That's gone. So this secondary supply that only a couple of years ago was to the tune of probably around 25 million pounds a year coming from underfeeding and tails reenrichment, that's not coming back into the market here for the West. So that tightens the market even further. This is a pretty big deal for secondary supply from underfeeding to essentially be cut off from Western uh, demand, Western utilities. And then lastly, uh, they stated it's not, in their opinion, it's not an if, but a when situation for when the West cuts off Russian uranium supply. So on that note, um, John Quakes, again, I quote him often on this podcast because he's kind of the, the macro news breaking source on Twitter. Uh, he highlighted a tweet coming from Sputnik. This is at Sputnik INT. This is the Russia state affiliated media. They tweeted out today. U.S. preparing a strategy to move away from Russian uranium supplies. And Quake's tweet, Russian state media Sputnik reporting back to Putin that the U.S. intends to get out of its reliance on Russia for 20% of its uranium nuclear fuel. So we're actually seeing Russian media um, put out a tweet about expectations that the U.S. is going to cut off Russian supply, uh, or Russian demand, excuse me. Will Putin go ahead and act uh, preemptively and cut that material off? It's... The situation is not calming down over there. And, and as a part of this realignment, it is going to be cut off. That's my opinion. I do believe that's something that we can, that's almost guaranteed. But as I've mentioned before, it isn't even necessary because utilities are already self-sanctioning. They're already, how can they buy from Russia in this environment right? with such absolutely oversensitive geo, uh, ESG, um, environmental social government governance, 
um, mandates across most companies where companies can get in trouble for the slightest thing that they do wrong um, in terms of uh, political correctness. How can a utility actually be buying? How can anybody buy anything from Russia right now? And that's what we're seeing right now. So the utilities are self-sanctioning in that manner. But we do believe that it probably is going to get cut off officially, either by the U.S. and or by the EU and or by Russia uh, from, from exporting the material. So that's what's on the table. The fundamentals continue to line up. I know that today was very, very bloody, very difficult to watch, um, difficult to experience. These bull markets, they, they really can shake you off. They really can shake you off. They're not easy. Um, investing is simple, but it's not easy, right? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it and everybody could be, could be killing it. Um, I had a, a, a Twitter conversation with somebody yesterday who basically was saying, well, the easy money's already been made in this sector. And it's like, well, you know what? The easy money was made by people that sat on huge paper losses for years and, and or were just sitting on dead money as uh, the S&P ripped higher and, and in high schoolers got rich on Tesla calls. All right, so easy money is not easy. There's nothing easy about investing. And days like this prove that. So um, until, we, until we see something that breaks the trend, until we see this trend line completely broken or a fundamental reason to get out, um, this is just another uh, drawdown to either be bought or to be sat through on our way to what I believe will be higher highs um, this year. So that's what we're here for. And again, if you are a member of Uranium Insider Pro, thank you for the support. And you will be receiving a bulletin this evening discussing what we're seeing in the markets and, of course, a deeper take on this morning's conference call. All right. Well, thank you guys for watching and thank you for listening. I do appreciate all of you and I will see you again tomorrow. Cheers.